Steve Peek is the founder and CEO of Asynchy, an ambitious foray into the brave new world of DevOps automation, orchestration, and choreography. An accomplished software engineer himself, Steve's contributions to the development tool chain include other efforts like CodeCub.io, a popular code coverage tool which he founded in 2015. The future of application choreography in the cloud era requires new ways of thinking about abstraction, and Asynchy's passionate founder and team are charting new paths in this exciting field. Steve, thanks for joining us. Uh, love to hear your story a little bit for the audience. Hey, thank you, Ledge, for having me here. Um, so I've been about I've been an entrepreneur for about a decade, like about 12 years, and specifically in de developer tools or just like software in general. So uh, my journey has been quite fun and uh, had a lot of lot of uh, challenges along the way. You know, my first product that I built was a point of sale company, and it never really took off. Um, but I learned a lot from that, how to manage software and how to talk to customers and support. During that process, I started to get a lot of people asking for to build applications that had some complexity to them. They could use their data to, to build some really cool things. You know, this was about four or five years ago. And at that time, um, really, it was really difficult to build applications rapidly. You know, we didn't have any tools. We didn't have any ways to orchestrate these things, how to get them out in the market to support them, to scale them. And let alone the businesses generally don't want to pay for them too. So you ended up kind of in this like weird position of like, okay, I want to be able to supply these products to you, but I'm unable to actually build them. At that point, I was like, you know, I want to solve this problem. Like, I think this problem is being the same problem that a lot of people are facing. And so I prototyped the first uh, uh, high-level programming language or super high-level programming language um, that I called StoryScript and that exposed all this business logic. And I thought it would be really cool to like be able to write down the stories of data, how people are like what they want to do in their application and write it down and actually have that executable. And that's kind of how this journey all started. So what's story script? Like what, what does that, yeah. does that mean? Help out the, the sort of yeah. half technical guy over here. Sure. So like we all have a programming languages, right? And they all serve a purpose. So we have low level programming language that kind of extract, extracted us away from, um, you know, punch cards and C and other things like this, right? And we moved to like Python and Ruby and Java and all these other great languages. And they serve a really strong purpose to, to get us to build software stronger. But the problem is that these languages are riddled with complexity and they have a lot of requirements uh, and, and in-depth knowledge of how to actually get them running in an environment, let alone you have to do all of the, the logging and metrics and tracebacks and DevOps and deployments. And there's so much energy that goes into building something. And we've tried as an industry to abstract further and further. So I looked at this as a little different problem. Be like, well, what, what, is, what does it look like in the end? Like, what if we extract all the way up to a human? What does that actually look like? And so what, we, what does it look like? It looks like English. I want to be able to describe an application in English and have it translate to more of a, a computer language, but that was much more closer to the human language. And so what this language does is it, or, is it choreographs microservices and serverless functions. And that's part of the platform we've created, but the language itself is the interface for that platform. So what we've created is that this language itself defines your business logic, and it also creates your architecture for you. But yet you still get all the power of all the languages you're used to. You still get all the microservices, um, with, you know, all, as long as you just wrap them in a Docker container, it's great. Um, and you also get all the serverless functions you, you can imagine. So think of it as a language to protocol between services and, and it abstracts away the orchestration entirely and essentially makes an auto DevOps environment by defining this as choreography. So why did you think like an auto DevOps environment was, was necessary? You know, like I would imagine that 
you would get your DevOps purists, you know, who want to make everything work, you know, in a, in a sort of, you know, the new world of bare metal, right? Isn't bare metal, yeah. but it's bare services, you know, and they want to yeah, touch it and they feel it. Yeah. You know, how do you convince those types of folks that like, Hey, you know, let's go. It's almost like, it's like telling developers that low code is a good idea, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, low code, you know, low code is a, is a challenge. And, and I would say no code is a bad idea, right? right. Low, <laughs> and low code is low code is a little bit more scary for some people too. So, I mean, you're talking about low code DevOps, you know, why, why should it we is. do that? So, so here's the, here's the fact is that as a business, you want to focus on the goals of your product. You want to focus on the features of the product. DevOps is a, is more or less a consequence of that. So let's make that assumption. Let's make the assumption that you don't want to do DevOps. Your value of your business is not how you manage your product. It's how you build your product. It's how you scale um, new features, not how you scale, how you scale servers. So with that being said, we need something, we need something that removes us further from the hardware and moves us closer to the features. And yes, it is a little bit difficult to kind of like put your head like, oh, auto DevOps, like that's a big tall order. But really what you're, what you're focusing on is a different architecture in general. So the problem right now with orchestration is you have very low visibility and you have to do a lot of work to get these services lined up. There's actually very few standards. I mean, and, and I, I know a lot of people can challenge me on that, but there, there, there is no guide for building microservice. There's no central location, and, 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 and when I say this, I mean not on a business level, but on an on a industry level. There's no central place to send metrics or logs or how a service actually scales and responds. Do we have strongly typed services? We don't. So there's really limited standards around the services themselves, and that's what we've created as well. We've created the Open Microservice Guide that defines all of those things I just mentioned, which creates a highly um, reusable service that's platform agnostic. And if this, if this kind of guide can get adopted by the industry, forget about Asyncy, forget about StoryScript, what we built. If just this guide can be adopted, it can advance the industry by having these highly reusable services. And we need that. We need to be able to have services um, that are not just wrapped up in a Docker container and then chucked out in the industry. But from an orchestration level, let's go kind of go back to the orchestration. It's that if you, you know, your, your application essentially has a couple strategies. You can you can couple con containers and couple microservices, which they, they essentially communicate directly to each other. And that can create a lot of dangers. There's a lot of articles out there that, that suggest that this is not a good pattern to do. And there's also the, the, the message queue, you know, so then now you have a single point of failure that you're probably going to have to, you're going to have to just scale out this, this message queue, which is a single point of failure. It's another problem with microservices. And then you end up having a lot of network bound traffic with just like pub subs and all this kind of stuff. We need another strategy. We need something that is, there's no single point of failure that scales across all of your pods. And that also is a communication layer between services. So services are completely isolated, independent and auto scaled and managed in this regard. And so that the services themselves are strongly typed so that we can communicate them with high transparency. And that's exactly what we've created. This environment where the, a lot of the DevOps, if not most of it, is automatically managed for you by a more smarter environment. With the automatic management itself, how do you manage fault tolerance and errors and, you know, things are like, I mean, no software is perfect, right? So right. You're, you're taking on like an enormous burden of the operations automation, which right. means then you're potentially becoming a, a very important upstream provider of all kinds of stuff. How do you prevent yourself from becoming the macro service bottleneck and problem that brings down, you know, like the same way when a, a region of Amazon goes down and we all take the day off because nothing works anymore? Yeah, I mean, so you yeah. think about that? 
Of course, of course. So, I mean, let's let's take one. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that we can say about what about this, what about that, and let's just focus on one example. Let's look at the actual execution strategy. So, let's look at a service. If a service goes down, we, we want to scale to zero as well too. So, let's just say a service is down and we need to restart it. What's really beautiful about our framework is we have the opportunity to essentially pause the execution of a certain workflow and wait for that service to recover. That kind of strategy is, is needs to be implemented in an orchestration environment manually by DevOps. And this is something that we have built in. Because we have control over the execution environment and the strategy of how data moves around your architecture, then we can actually pause the execution, wait for services to recover, and repeat. And in theory, this would be a much better approach than to just like say, oh, service is gone, throw, throw an error, and see how it manages from there. These are the kind of strategies that we're looking into and in doing research and development on how to solve these problems. And yes, software inevitably is going to break. Software is inevitably going to have problems. But as a developer myself and as an industry in general, we want to keep abstracting further and further away from the machine and looking more towards these goals and these features of applications and making these things more highly reusable and fault tolerant. I mean, our platform in general is, is intentionally going to be more safe to use and, and more fault tolerant by spreading out our services across many nodes, about many clusters uh, and many zones. And so if any single pod goes down, any single zone goes, zone goes down, then it, it doesn't, you won't even notice. You won't even feel that as the services will recover in different areas. I've been told and I've tried to study on my own a little bit about domain-driven design being sort of the, the most important way that you can begin to think about microservices in your business. And it strikes me that you probably have had to do some kind of uh, meta domain driven design because your domain is the one that everybody else is going to build their domain driven design microservices on. What was the thinking process to even begin to organize this sort of meta abstraction? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so we want to look at things from a more fundamental level. It's, we want to look at it from a service level, where, where services are first class. So what we define a service as a, maybe a company, maybe it's a social media, maybe it's Twitter, or maybe it's a database. And there's a certain amount of actions. They might be kind of one-off actions. They might be event-driven actions. They might be streaming. They might be a bunch of other things. And these are the actions of that service. And then the actions of that service come with arguments, and they end up with results. And that's very highly consistent across all services, right? So if we have that kind of pattern, we can create a language from it. And this is, a, this is what our story script does. And we've also added all the other beautiful things that come with a scripting language where you have, you know, your loops and you have your own functions, you have try catching, you have mutations come embedded in our platform. I mean, that's, that's a non-trivial thing, right? In, in the current orchestration environment, ask yourself, like, how do we mutate data? Or how do we access keys within a, within a certain results of microservices? Well, we create a middleware. We create another service that mutates it. Maybe, I mean, it might sound trivial, but how do you get a string from a lowercase to uppercase in a microservice environment? Why is, that, why is that difficult? I mean, and this is something that's built into our platform. It's just a very intuitive way of writing this out. And one thing I'd like to make note on, too, is very important for our future as well, is that we have the opportunity to understand data in a more deep way. So because we have control of the execution environment, we know what data comes in, we know what data jumps between each service, and we know what data goes out. And this provides a very powerful way to use machine learning to understand more deep about your application. Imagine this, where you have an application where, let's say you use full contact, and you provide an email of a user for your system. We can identify that user automatically via our platform and create automatic application KPIs with that user. We can give you performance metrics on how a user interacts with your platform. We can give you information on where, how users are actually using the platform on a more deeper level. 
And this is all entirely automated because we have deeper knowledge of how the data is coming across the system. So in theory, what we want to do is we want a developer to come in and write just a couple lines of code in StoryScript. And that might use a couple services that may already be built and provided in our Synky hub. And those services automatically get pulled down, create an architecture for you, get the application up and running for you. And then you're, when you get your 20 users coming in, maybe your 2,000 users coming in, you get automatic application KPIs and user information. And you've done, all you've done is write three lines of code. And you get amazing amount of metrics, amazing amount of logs, and the information you need to make business decisions based on data. So it becomes very extremely powerful to pull together disparate exhaust, really, data yeah. exhaust from the, the microservice executions itself. I mean, another cool thing to think about, too, which is um, a big value add is, you know, you, you talk to companies and you're, you ask them a, a really fun, simple question, right? It's like, so you got microservices. Cool. You're on Kubernetes. Awesome. Sounds good. You're using new tech. Sounds cool. So how long does it take for someone to hire day one? I just hired, you know, this, this person. How long does it take for them to ship a new function or feature or container in your production? And it's typically three months is what the answers we're getting. What if I were to present the concept of, well, what if we can do this in days? How much impact could it have on, on delivering product in your company? And in, in story script, we give that opportunity where you look at a story script and it's exposed business logic is very transparent and intuitive. Your new developer comes in, they're told, hey, we want to add a natural language server between these, this, these two data points. The developer goes in, adds a new line that says, grab the natural data right there, take the output, put it to the next service and deploy. And we provide that kind of environment. We have automatic built-in A-B testing. We have fault-proof stuff. We have services that auto-scale. There's all these beautiful things that happen that happen for you automatically because the language itself defines the architecture. And that is a very beautiful thing. And actually, like one of the first companies that came up with this kind of thing is Pulumi. And there's a, there's a well number of other companies that have kind of jumped on board with this like code architecture concepts. But no one's taken it as far as StoryScript in Asynchy. We are definitely leading the edge on this new choreography concept. We love broad visions, right? You know, so yeah. it's very, uh, it's genre defining. It's, it's very cool to, uh, to get on the inside track with you and, and kind of learn about that. So uh, how do developers take advantage of this? You know, if they, if they want to give it a, a test run or, you know, what, do you, what are you guys doing? How close to deployment? Yeah, so we are, in, we are in private beta. What's really important for us is a developer journey. We want to make sure that developers, when they join, they have a really solid journey of building their first applications, and as well as the trust that we need to build with developers. I mean, it's very important to have that trust. And so we're taking this very cautiously, but we also need to define a category. Like application choreography is not really a thing yet. It's not defined. And we want to lead that, that category, lead that industry. But to do that, we have to be, we have to be aggressive yet cautious at the same time. So I would love to have users jump on board, and and I and I know your community can also be very um, vocal with their their uh, their constructive feedback, which I oh, absolutely. <laughs> that will definitely be vocal. Yeah. And I'm very and I want to say to all of your listeners, like I am more than happy to take your feedback, and and I love to answer questions you had because it's very important for us to understand what what challenges do people have with understanding what we're doing, and maybe there are things that we're not doing properly that we want to learn from you. So this is not us making these really strong, bold opinions that this is the way to do it. This is us building a product and investigating the market to see where choreography could be. And as a developer myself and as a community, I really do think that the evolution of applications is going to move from orchestration to choreography. And the question we just all need to ask ourselves is how do we do that? We're making one approach at this and we'd love to get the feedback from the community to see like, is this the right approach? And how would you do it differently? 
always do it differently, right? <laughs> right. The, the classic line is, you know, my standard is always better than your standard, right? Just the, the establishment of a vocabulary and, and a new way of thinking, you know, is the big lift. The technology isn't the hardest part. It's, you know, it's just saying, you know, hey, there's going to be a new thing in the world and we're putting our foot down and making it happen. So I think you know, it's an exciting entrepreneurial journey that, that we all have a lot of respect for having done similar Thank things. You. So. Yeah, and if anybody wants to join Beta, um, we're more than ha happy to have you join. So if you just go to asinky.com, you can drop your email there, and we'll, we'll be in contact with you. So, so much of this product is done, um, but there's still so much to do on the journey, and we are hiring quite a lot aggressively. So, and we're based in Amsterdam, an amazing city, and um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. So I really appreciate your time, Ledge, and if, if you have any other questions, I'd love to yeah, you know, awesome, awesome to have you here. And you know, we're just sort of looking forward to tracking the you when you're doing your hiring. And we've talked about this. You know, you have you say you know passion first, and I and that comes through in in what you're you say about the product and what you're you know building the organization. And I, I think that's a great message too that I would just love to end on is that you know sort of passion seems to be the driving force behind behind what you guys are doing. And, and the team that you're building and the, the vision that you have. So super, super cool. And it's, it's good to be on the friend train. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ledge. And I really appreciate your time on, on, on putting this podcast together. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.